What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. America has long awaited the 400 or so pages finally released to Congress and the public Thursday morning. Special Prosecutor Robert Mueller spent nearly two years investigating Russian interference in the 2016 election. And on a Friday evening last month, March 22nd, months and months of an investigation that captured the nation's attention culminated in Mueller's submission of his final report to Attorney General William Barr. telling us that uh, Attorney General Bill Barr has now received the report from uh, Special Counsel Robert Mueller. The investigation, 675 days old, is now over. So, Shortly after uh, receiving the report, Barr, recently appointed by President Trump to the Attorney General post, released a summary of Mueller's findings. Robert Mueller's report was turned in on Friday night, and tonight, just two days later, the summary now from the attorney general who said that Mueller summary said Mueller's investigation did not establish coordination or conspiracy between the Trump campaign and Russia. That summary also said that Mueller's team did not make a decision on whether Trump obstructed justice. Barr, however, in the absence of a decision by Mueller's team, wrote in his summary that he concluded Trump committed no obstructive conduct. Now, this approach, a four-page summary of what's a 400-plus page report filtered through the attorney general, did not satisfy Democrats and even some Republicans in Congress, who immediately pursued an effort to obtain the full report. There's an easy answer to this. Release the Mueller report. Barr did issue a letter later that week indicating that the department was preparing to release a redacted version. And just hours before America was about to get its first look at this lengthy report, Attorney General Barr weighed in again. So that's the bottom line. After nearly two years of investigation, thousands of subpoenas, hundreds of warrants and witness interviews, the special counsel confirmed that the Russian government sponsored efforts to illegally interfere with the 2016 presidential election, but did not find that the Trump campaign or other Americans colluded in those efforts. Barr held a news conference Thursday morning where he offered what was largely a defense of the president and explained how the nation's top law enforcement officials wrestled with investigating Trump for possible obstruction of justice. Although the deputy attorney general and I disagreed with some of the special counsel's legal theories and felt that some of the episodes examined did not amount to obstruction as a matter of law, we did not rely solely on that in making our decision. And finally, after summaries and statements and tweets, there's always tweets, the special counsel's redacted report was released to Congress and to the public at 11 a.m. on Thursday. Trump, speaking to a wounded warriors group at the White House, seemed to be feeling good about how things were playing out. And they're having a good day. I'm having a good day, too. It was called... No collusion, no obstruction. 
Meanwhile, back at the Washington Post, reporters and editors spent all of Thursday combing through the details in these more than 400 pages, analyzing and synthesizing the information to make sense within all of these winding and complicated pieces of this long investigation into the president and those surrounding him. And in this episode, we bring you those details, those findings, and what we still don't know. This is Can He Do That, a podcast that explores the powers and limitations of the American presidency. I'm Allison Michaels. Amidst his tightly packed day of reading and analyzing and writing, I managed to grab some of reporter Matt Zapatowski's time to explain what it's like to report on a report and to tell me what we know now and what we're still waiting to find out. So, Matt, tell me what it's like to read this document. You get a PDF, 400 plus pages, and you have to sift through it. What is that like? It's a lot. Like, it just numbs the mind. It's so much material. Some of it we already did know. So I'm reading things like, oh, yeah, we knew that. We knew that. Other things I'm reading and being like, oh, my gosh, that is new and that is pretty big. It's just crazy. It's crazy to to take it all in. And as you're reading and you get to some of these redacted portions, Mm -hmm. was there a moment for you where any of those redactions felt like they were cutting off midstream some sort of information you were learning that was new? For me, no. Um, There were some things that I was sort of left curious about. And there's so much in there. I was even kind of surprised by they said they were going to redact things about peripheral figures in the investigation. And there were some names in there that I was like, wow, they didn't redact that. Like Jody Hunt. Do you know who that is? Probably nobody knows who that is. The head of the civil division (laughs) in the Justice Department and Jeff Sessions, former chief of staff. Like he is named, you know, he's not a peripheral figure. Like they were naming witnesses who told them things and what they told them. So for the most part, I was kind of surprised by how little actually was redacted and how much information we were getting. There was there's one instance that I can think of. And admittedly, I've spent less time with the social media portion of the report, and that has the biggest redactions. We understand from the Justice Department some of those big blocks of text are just pictures or charts. Mm -hmm. So in that instance, I hit them, but I kind of know what it might be. And then um, another one that I was looking at is obstructive conduct towards a couple people. I think it's like Manafort and Gates, and then there's a name blacked out. So I'm sort of speculating on who that might be. I don't know for certain, though. Okay, so some some redactions are on your mind, but let's talk about what we did see in the report. So Mueller did not establish criminal conspiracy, but were there a lot more details revealed about Russia's interactions with Trump's team? Absolutely. A ton more. We learned wholesale new encounters in some cases. We learned new details of encounters in some cases. So one that's jumping out in my mind is that in August of 2016, when um, Paul Manafort is still his campaign chairman, he meets with this guy named Konstantin Kalimnik, who is a person the FBI has assessed as having ties to Russian intelligence. And we knew about this meeting, but it was always kind of cryptic, like what was happening. And the special counsel airs out what happened at that. They talked about Trump's campaign. Manafort had earlier like shared polling data with him, internal polling data. So we learned a little bit more about that. And they also discussed this Ukraine peace plan that was sort of very favorable to Russia and sort of talked about, well, you know, we would need to get Trump's buy-in on this. That's just such like a tantalizing detail. So Mueller says, I can't prove 
criminal conspiracy. I can't prove that these two people work together to interfere in the election. But what he does allege is like, look, while I couldn't prove you know, what I just described, both of these people were motivated to help the other. Russia really wanted Trump to win and Trump was really open to Russia hacking and doing other things to help. And that episode kind of shows you the Russia angle of it. Well, if we can get Trump on board with this thing that would help us, that'd be great. But there's a lot of episodes like that, the kind of nuance down in the weeds, but new details or new context between people in Trump world and, and Russia that Robert Mueller found. What was interesting to me in hearing you speak about this and when what I've read is essentially that this mutual motivation exists but doesn't necessarily amount to conspiracy. Yeah. So conspiracy and obstruction are two different things. But what Mueller is looking at essentially for all these people are crimes. There isn't a crime called collusion. And he makes that point. You know, Trump says collusion over and over and over. But he's looking for did anyone in Trump's orbit act as an unregistered foreign agent for Russia, commit a FARA violation? Did did anyone sort of criminally conspire, which is a legal charge? And he couldn't find that essentially because of the legal standard. But he found all sorts of interactions in this shared goal of having Trump become president. And that's notable in its own right. And to see it all laid out is just really compelling. Like when Barr a couple weeks ago says Mueller has concluded and he could not find a criminal conspiracy. That's true, right? But it's so incomplete when you read Mueller's whole report. Okay, let's move on to sort of volume two of this report. And that's about the investigation into Trump's potential obstruction of justice. Is it clear now why Mueller did not make a decision on whether or not Trump obstructed? Yes. Well, it's both clearer and murkier. So this is going to get a little bit deep in the weeds, but there's this Justice Department legal opinion. Um, the Office of Legal Counsel is kind of like the brain of the Justice Department. They come up with guidance that the Justice Department kind of follows. It's not like a court ruling or some binding law, but these are policies of the Justice Department. One of them, a very important one, is a sitting president can't be indicted, and a sitting president also can't be indicted under seal. Mueller wrote in the report that he respected that opinion. He understood the reasons behind the opinion, and that opinion kind of shaped his thinking on the obstruction question, what he essentially decided was we, even though we're prosecutors who are normally deciding can we charge someone with a crime or not, because this is a, the president, because there's this Office of Legal Counsel opinion, we're essentially just not going to make a call there. We're going to do our work, find what we find, but we're not even in our own head sort of going to make up our minds. It's a, it's a weird analysis and it's one that Bill Barr, the attorney general, disagreed with. I think he really wanted Mueller to make a call and eventually he does make a call. He steps in with Rod Rosenstein and says, well, we assessed the evidence and we found that it wasn't there to substantiate a criminal case. But Mueller essentially said – I can't get there because I'm looking at this OLC opinion and I also think it – this is kind of another nuanced point but a really important one. He doesn't sort of come to the conclusion, I would charge Trump but for this Office of Legal Counsel opinion. He comes to the conclusion that he's not going to come to a conclusion. You know, So he's never going to make up his mind on this. Bill Barr actually confronts him about this at a meeting on March 5th and says, well, are you saying that you would charge Trump but this opinion is blocking you? And Mueller says, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying 
I view this opinion as tying my hands. I not only can't charge the president, but I can't make a call on whether the president can be charged. I can't write in some secret Justice Department report, I would charge the president, but for this. So I'm like literally not making a call. But so we have this detailed legal analysis of the Office of Legal Counsel opinion and how Mueller came to the conclusion. And then we also had Barr at a press conference sort of addressing it today. So it's not as though Mueller laid out all of this evidence for how the president may have obstructed justice to to make a case for how he would come to that decision were the president not a sitting president. Yeah, he did lay out all sorts of evidence on how the president might have obstructed justice. I should make that clear. All sorts of episodes, new episodes, more detailed episodes, trying to get his White House counsel to outright order Mueller's firing, for example, pressuring his attorney general in private meetings to unrecuse from the case and kind of put his arms around Mueller, dangling the possibility of pardons. Sometimes this is his lawyers doing this, though, to people who are under investigation that could be obstruction. And then he kind of went through, I guess you would say, the pros and cons for each of these cases. Well, his motive could have been this, but it could have been this. But then where a prosecutor normally would say, and that's why I'm recommending we charge the president, or a prosecutor would normally say, and that's why I don't think the evidence is sufficient. Mueller is just silent. He just lays out this case and then never comes to a conclusion. So as you say, Mueller included episodes in his report that he investigated in regards to Trump's possible obstruction of justice. And specifically, he lays out 10 episodes there. You've covered this investigation for a long time. Did any of these 10 key episodes outlined in the obstruction portion of the report stand out to you for being particularly notable or or particularly striking? A couple I thought were particularly egregious. There's one, and I believe this had been reported before, but to sort of see the dialogue and the context that Mueller lays out, which is that he tells Don McGahn, his White House counsel, look, you've got to call up the attorney general and tell him, order him to remove Robert Mueller as special counsel and tell him you're doing it because Mueller has conflicts. That's really striking. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. like literally taking out the investigation at its head. We knew that he really didn't like Jeff Sessions and pressed him publicly about his recusal, vented about his recusal. But Mueller detailed these kind of behind-the-scenes private meetings where Trump tells the attorney general, look, you should unrecuse yourself from this case. You'll be a hero, I think he says in one instance, if you unrecuse yourself from this case. So uh, there are more like that. Um, Those really, I mean, the one with McGahn really stood out to me. I mean, there is no more direct attack on an investigation than removing the person doing that investigation. And at one point, Trump out and out said that should happen. What's funny is in a lot of these instances, though, including that one, the aides just don't do it. I mean, so McGahn mm-hmm. just kind of ignores the directive from the boss. He tells the special counsel, and this is one of the things that's so striking. Look, I thought it would be another Saturday Night Massacre, which refers to when President Nixon ordered his attorney general to fire the special counsel. And then there were sort of mass resignations at the Justice Department. And there are other instances like that where aides just kind of don't go along. I don't remember the specifics exactly, but there's one with Corey Lewandowski where he orders something similar. I think it has to do with Sessions. And Lewandowski just sits on it and Trump follows up and he says, don't worry, it'll happen soon. And then it doesn't and it just goes away. In-laws, love them or hate them, you're pretty much stuck with them. And when you're a ruler in the Middle Ages, that can be a serious problem. It might even land you dead. 
I'm Dan Jones, and on season four of This Is History, I'm telling the story of England's weirdest king, Henry III. He's in way over his head, and he's surrounded by bloodthirsty relatives with their eyes on his throne. To listen, search This Is History and follow wherever you get your podcasts. The Post reported that some of Mueller's investigators were frustrated that the entirety of the report hadn't been released or the details were sort of being mischaracterized by Barr. Do we Now that we've seen the report, do we know what some of those concerns were? Do we have a clearer picture of that? We have a little bit. So I think, one, we can just sort of objectively understand a little better why they were frustrated. Here you have this thorough, comprehensive 400-page look that presents a very unflattering and also a very nuanced look at interactions between Russians and people on the Trump campaign, the president's obstructive conduct. And Bill Barr boiled that down to essentially two quotes from the report, and they're pretty favorable to Trump. Um, You know, Trump boils them down to no collusion, no obstruction. Bill Barr was a little more detailed than that. But essentially, that is what he said. The special counsel did not find that Trump's campaign coordinated with Russia and did not come to a conclusion on obstruction. And I, Bill Barr, came to the conclusion that we couldn't make an obstruction case. So when you see that, and that's all we had versus this 400-page report, it's not technically inaccurate, I guess is the best way to put it, but it is super, super incomplete. And that's what we understood at the time, the frustration to be, the sort of lack of information that was just out there about the special counsel's report. And we learned too, frankly, from Bill Barr's press conference that there was some tension on the question of obstruction. From Bill Barr's perspective, he was kind of frustrated that Mueller uh, didn't come to a conclusion on that. He really made an emphatic case. That's a prosecutor's job. That's why we're here. And if you're not going to do it, I am. I don't exactly know how Mueller feels about that. I would suspect he doesn't feel great because that's contradicting what he wanted to do, right? He wanted to just leave it. And Bill Barr came in and said, no, 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 I'm going to do this. Um, now, Leave it in hopes that Congress would act on it? Presumably, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, that I, I presume that what that's what he's doing with the report because that's just a prosecutor's job is to make a call like that. So if you're not doing that, there's got to be some kind of reason. Now, Bill Barr says like, look, that was my that was my call to make. And he's not wrong. I mean, you, this he is the attorney general. He's in charge of the Justice Department. He's the The head prosecutor is the simplest way to put it. But there was some clear tension on both sides over that issue. So should we now expect to see some action from Congress? Yeah. I mean, Congress is already saying that they're going to call Mueller himself to testify. And really, that could reveal a lot because we've heard a lot of what we've heard so far, at least publicly with with named officials, is from Bill Barr at a press conference or from Bill Barr's spokesperson who has described in recent days some of this. So hearing Mueller's side of it would be really remarkable. He was so tight-lipped throughout the investigation. I mean, issued a handful of statements and Congress's saying they want him in there now because Congress is really at odds with Bill Barr. They feel like he kind of was a political shield for Trump in this process. He lays out a couple of the top line conclusions. Those just sit with the public for weeks and that's the way everybody comes in kind of viewing this much more comprehensive report. And then he kind of reinforces those at a press conference before the report is released. He has this press conference at 930 and it's not until 11, I think, that this report slipped down to the Justice Department's website. So for that hour and a half, or so, people again have his summary of this. And he was even using the phrase like no collusion at that press conference. So mm-hmm. he's also going to be called to testify and he'll have to give much, much many more answers. That's in early May. Okay. President Trump, 
What does this mean for him, the man at the center of this investigation? Yeah, that's a great question. And time will answer that a little better. President Trump has declared vindication. He's almost treated it just like he did the day the principal conclusions were released. He tweeted several times, including some memes. But the top line was no collusion, no obstruction. He's hailing this as a victory. Does the report change the minds of any Republicans or Democrats for that matter? I certainly haven't seen yet any Republicans whose minds has changed. It is still early. You know, as we're sitting here right now, it's only a couple hours after the report was released. So um, I'm sure they're all going through it. Democrats have said they're kind of methodically going through it. Republicans, I'm sure, are doing so too. Democrats have reacted about as you would expect they would. Many of them have turned their fire on Bill Barr. Look, you're being a shield for Trump. Some are suggesting, look, we think the evidence is pretty clear. You obstructed justice. If you think the president obstructed justice, arguably that's an impeachable offense and you could move to do that. But nobody's kind of taking that, that next step. Jerry Nadler, I think, has said this is strong evidence of obstruction. But it, it's not like in the next breath he says, and I'm going to you know, talk mm-hmm. about articles of impeachment. Okay, Matt, as you said, this is merely hours after the report is released, but it is also not the first investigation into a president that we've had in American history. So based on this report, what we know now, do you think that the Mueller report will have implications for the future of presidential investigations? Absolutely. So this... This was the really the first true time we've seen the special counsel regulations used to their fullest. The, the regulations under which Mueller was appointed were kind of a replacement for this law that Ken Starr worked under. And Ken Starr released this massive uh, report that detailed all this kind of lurid stuff. This and, and his model was a little different, right? He, uh, he had more latitude to make things public. The special counsel regulations, frankly, don't call for anything to be made public. Bill Barr sort of did that because of public pressure and because of what he felt was the importance of the public knowing this. And now this is the model for the next time this happens, provided these regulations stay in place, provided Congress doesn't take legal action to pass some kind of new law. This is going to be the template. So there, there could be a couple of lessons for people in the future. Bill Barr is getting a ton of blowback for the way he's handled the release so far with, you know, just releasing the top line conclusions and then giving the press conference. What will the next attorney general do seeing that kind of blowback now? Bill Barr, though, also has released a pretty lightly redacted, comprehensive version of the Mueller report. I mean, there are some pages blacked out, but the whole pages, they're pretty few. You know, Bill Barr has also kind of set the precedent that, look, when you have a special counsel investigation, forget what the regulations say about confidential report to the attorney general. There's an expectation that this stuff is going to become public. So he's kind of reinforced that notion. That's another precedent for future investigations. And then We'll see how Congress reacts, right? That is going to be like the next step to what a special counsel does. Mueller took this very unusual tack on obstruction. Will that be informing for future special counsel regulations? Are future special counsels going to say, look, I I can't charge the president with a crime, so it's not my job to decide? Will they maybe see what is happening with Mueller and say, I'm going to be a lot more forceful and just hand this to Congress or make very, very clear in my report, like, I would charge him, but I can't, or I'm not making a decision, but I want Congress to? Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of ways. In the coming days, I think you'll... People who are sitting in their chairs now, lawyer types who maybe one day will be special counsels or special prosecutors are watching probably closely what's happening now. And that will be the playbook that will, you know, they might make some modifications seeing how badly or or well things go now. But that will be the playbook for the next time a president's investigated. 
Writing the playbook day by day here. Matt, <laughs> how, how late do you think you'll be here tonight? <laughs> uh, I will be here pretty late. It's a lengthy report. And so obviously a lot of the first pass is skimming and then zeroing in on, on uh, important things. But yeah, I have to take my time with it too. And, uh, and uh, there's a million story assignments. So I'll be here late. All right. I hope you get a chance to come up for air at some point. <laughs> Thank you so much. Sure. This has been another episode of Can He Do That? Now, of course, Mueller's report is lengthy, and this story is developing. So for more, visit WashingtonPost.com, where you can read live update and coverage and an annotated version of the redacted report in its entirety. You can also listen to our daily news podcast, Post Reports, for more. Thanks so much for listening. Can He Do That is a team effort here at The Post. It's produced by the darling Carol Alderman, with design help from Kat Rudell-Brooks, logo art from Loren Boglio, and theme music by Ted Muldoon. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL.